The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many secrets hidden behind the rain and the fog and the trees of the Pacific Northwest. But it's those places, hidden between the rain and the fog and the trees where inhuman eyes peer from the dark. That is why listener discretion is advised. His breath came out of his throat like hot razors. The anxiety, each wet puff of air carried with it toward his throat and left his teeth to ache in the cold air of the night. Tom stood, staring into the darkness. The cave, like all caves, stood imposingly before him, dark and uninviting, a rip in the fabric of a well-grounded reality, a place between places. His eyes swam in the darkness as they bobbed back and forth, searching that dark abscess of the world for an anchor to hitch his eyes to, to steady him, to prove that by stepping into that cave, he would not be stepping off the edge of the world. But try as he may, as far as Tom knew, he stood at the edge of the void, a pinprick through the thin paper on which his reality sat, and he peered into the nothingness beyond. The only soul in the entire world is acutely aware of the fragility of all things as the cave threatened to suck him in and never let him leave its vacuum of despair. Tom could feel the weight of his body, sitting heavy on his heels, resolute, unmoving, stubborn, and resisting the weak commands of his mind. Move. 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 Come on, Tom. Why won't you move? But it wasn't that easy. Not now, not after everything, not after all that time. Tom had moved towards the cave instinctually, without thinking, lost in a sea of fragmented wants and fears as images flashed through his mind as he reconciled with what he must do in the most abstract sense. But standing there, in front of a doorway to his biggest regret, the one thing he couldn't undo, it had become suddenly very real. And with the self-loathing, the fear, the deep regret, 
the remorse and all those other negative emotions which had suddenly returned. Tom wasn't able to make his body move, to take that next step. Of course, it might have been he just didn't want to. Of course, he wanted to be in bed, but he hadn't come because he wanted. No, he came because he had to. Since that, that man had spoken the words, it felt as if he was set on rails, as if Tom had no choice but to follow the momentum of his own weight down the hill, turning and weaving as he teetered dangerously to and fro, feeling that at any moment he might be thrown from his course and careening with some neighboring mountain. And he hurtled down that hill until he had come to that crashing stop, right at the mouth of the cave. Completely unaware of his surroundings, Tom stood there, immobilized, deaf, dumb, and numb to the world. The hairs raised on the back of his neck as he felt the eyes of something settle on him, make note of him, judging what he planned to do next. Let whatever it was see, let it see his weakness, his trepidation. Tom was too worn, too beaten to put up any facade. Let it see his insides torn out as he was still quietly weeping, his eyes leaking while the rest of his face stood unmoving. Tom wondered quietly what Peggy would do if she were in his position. Would she run into the cave bravely, or would she cower the way Tom cowered? No. No, she wouldn't cower. She was too strong now. He'd seen that the last time they'd spoken. Peggy hadn't stomped her feet or debated the matter with Tom. She hadn't said a word about her newfound resolve at all, in fact. She didn't need to. Tom had felt it in the square nature of her shoulders, the flat, unmoving angle of her bottom lip, and the lack of neurotic fiddling of the hair in her clothes that had been a staple of her everyday manner for as long as she had walked and talked. If Peggy would and could delve the depths of a hell that stood like a broken, shattered spot in the world, then, then so too could Tom. All he had to do was walk forward, one step at a time. Tom wrung the rope in his hands, twisting it tight and feeling the stiff fibers pinch in his palm one last time. Holding his breath, he lifted his right foot and then placed it down on the ground a little further ahead of himself. And then he leaned forward as his left foot rose behind him before planting it a little ahead of himself once again. Tom LaPont, slowly but surely, could feel the coal being shoveled into the fire, his self-pity turning into a burning rage that screamed for his limbs to do as they were told. And finally, without the momentum of fate behind him, Tom began to walk on his own and into the cave. The 
The darkness was exactly how Tom had remembered it. Dense, like slimy, slinking pond scum pressed tight against his eyes and that foreign feeling of futility as he opened his eyes wider and wider, but still couldn't see any better, just as he had remembered. He shut his eyes, hopeless and frustrated with his own inability to see. The cave, he remembered, had been a straight line, but without the ability to see now as he had been able to see before, Tom felt unsure of that fact. As if walking along a tightrope, Tom placed one foot in front of the other, heel to toe to heel to toe. Any time he felt he had veered off course, he'd stop and take a step to the right or left adjusting his course. The tunnel into the depths of Tom's own personal hell was too wide to place a hand on each wall. At one point, he had reached out, counting his steps and running his hand along the sharp surface for a short distance of only a few feet. Before the anxiety of not knowing if he was going straight or curving away from his intended path sent vomit flying to the bottom of his throat before he swallowed it back down with a grimace at the bitter taste. Tom quickly stepped back away from the wall in the same exact number of steps to the middle of the tunnel. Drops of water fell from the ceiling and splashed against rock and small puddles which had gathered on the floor over an unknowable time and the air smelt earthy and wet. Tom kicked a large rock on the ground, stumbling forward, opening his eyes out of habit. He didn't notice at first, but as he corrected himself standing straight, he began to see a faint glow. Tucked into the corners and crevices of the walls and floors and ceilings was, well, Tom didn't know what it was, but it glowed a faint bluish-purple light. As his fear subsided for a moment, giving way to his childlike curiosity that he hadn't yet grown out of, Tom walked closer to a small bushel of light stuck into the rock wall. He craned his head close to it, squinting his eyes to get a better look to refine the light that split from whatever it was. It looked like moss, blooming moss, but skeletal and alien where moss was usually fluffy, deep, and luscious. Whatever this was, was spindly and fragile-looking. It was milk-bone white, where the white had gone sour and slightly green. Tom poked at it with his finger, expecting it to crumble under the weight, but it brushed against him, tiny and pliable. Most interesting of all was the way light emanated from its tips. The blooms at the end of the dusty skeletal stems looked like hands turned up, with fingers frozen in the act of grasping at something and frozen in place, as if its sickly petals had fallen away. It was from those weird, strange, grasping blooms. That's where the light shone from. It was dim no more than enough to illuminate the edges of its own flower, but they grew in bushels and followed the long tracks along the damp cracks of the wall. Tom could see now, 
that most of the dim light came from further away, where it seemed the strange flowers were growing in greater numbers. Everything about that place was terrible, but majestic. Tom thought if he were to die tonight, if he happened to fall to the bottom of the pit to share Ben's fate, or if he made it to the bottom of the pit and Ben, in a furious rage, ripped the skin from the bones of his face, then this sickening shining cave with its alien filaments sprouting from the walls would be as good a place as any to rot and fall away into the earth. Much better than the sterile, neatly organized graveyards that Tom had skipped past a thousand times in his life, never giving it much thought but to recognize how weird it was. The way they had arranged all those dead bodies in neat rows, all their heads in the right place, and their toes pointing in the right direction, all laying together. That fact, oddly enough, provided a small morsel of comfort. Fascinated and forgetting his trepidation, Tom pushed further into the cave, walking faster and more sure of each step than before. He could see where he was going. He was going into the light, and the light was where Ben was. The walls, which had been entirely wet, slick, splintered, yet sturdy rock, became more engulfed by what Tom in his head had nicknamed Bone Blooms. The walls were, were covered in them. The collective mass looked like long-seeking tendrils growing and growing and looking for their way out of the cave like roots of some sturdy tree. And eventually, as Tom continued inwards, those tendrils of bone blooms became carpets, and the light was so disorienting, casting an odd bluish purple across an otherwise black world of wet and sharp edges. The light pulsed. Slowly it thrummed and lit the air with a hazy buzzing. Tom hadn't noticed it until he'd come to see the end of the cave ahead of him where he knew the pit would be. He hesitated for a moment, breaking his stride to stand fear-struck, before swallowing his terror behind gritted teeth and slowly walking forward toward the edge. The bone blooms grew from the pit. They emanated outwards. The jagged walls and ceilings had long since been swallowed, but there closest to that hole in the earth that had eaten Ben alive, it spewed out onto the floor as well, while thick like a rug laid out to welcome guests. Tom cautiously stepped. Stepping isn't the right word. Tom cautiously shuffled towards the edge and looked over and down. The hole was lit in that same hazy purple-bluish light. The air was hazy and dust-filled, like a breeze had come and startled a field of flowers, all spitting forth pollen into the air nervously. He couldn't see the bottom through the hazy, dusty light, but he hoped his rope would prove to be long enough. After all, it was the only rope that he had with him, and if he had to leave to get a longer one, he knew he would never return. Tom tossed the coiled rope on the ground and grabbed one of the ends. 
a few feet from the hole in the ground, there was a rock that sat jutting out of the cave floor at a slight angle just so much that it probably wouldn't be very comfortable to sit on and made the perfect anchor to tie his rope to. Tom knew little about knots, but he continued twisting and weaving the rope until he finally gave it a hard yank and much to his surprise, the knot settled tightly into place. Grabbing the rest of the rope and unfolding it, Tom tossed it down into the pit and thankfully heard it slap the bottom of the pit. Unsure of how to tackle the issue of getting over and down the 90 degree angle into the hole, Tom lay on his belly crushing the bone blooms beneath him and carefully slid himself to the weight of his body began to tip him into the pit so that he could more easily grab the rope. As he got deeper, the light didn't get any brighter. How could it? The bone blooms covered every inch of every surface, but the dust hanging in the air caught the light and diffused it and spread it about, magnifying it. It wasn't a very deep pit. It had been much deeper in his mind. He had imagined it stretch for a long distance down and that the bottom would be jagged teeth to mangle anything unfortunate enough to fall in. But that's what he'd imagined, sitting shocked at the top after knocking Ben in, before the bone blooms had grown up and out of the pit, unable to see exactly where the hole was and exactly where it ended. But the ground was soft and had a bit of a muddy give to it as Tom let himself off the rope. But as he did, Tom's hands still gripped it tight and he still faced the wall. He'd gotten this far, feet at the bottom of the pit no more than a few feet from where Ben was, or where Ben had once been. All you have to do is turn around, Tom. Come all the way here. Now just... Just turn around. Turn around. Slowly, turning, time stood still for Tom. Each fragment of the image of that deep sunken place processing in his mind. Each fragment, each indent and recess, the bone blooms, the haze that hung in the air. Tom's eyes shot open terribly wide at the horror he witnessed. Melted and half sunken into the floor were the bones of Ben LaPont. Tom's older, better, faster brother. He saw the shoes first. The material that had covered the toe rotted away or gnawed at by insects and rodents. Tom had no way of knowing. Then he saw the bone jutting from the top of it, splintered and sharp. Ben had broken his ankle when he fell into the pit. He couldn't even stand. He never had a chance to save himself. The bone looked as if it had been bleached white at first, but 
over time, a patina of damp green algae, or was it spots of mold? It had gathered on the bare bone, seeping into the pores of the brittle and exposed skeletal bits. And then Tom saw that it was also true for his thick leg bones as well. All that, with that dark green mold or algae or fungus which had grown on the exposed bone once the flesh had liquefied and fallen away. And it too had seeped into the pores of the skeletal remains and then there was the bone bloom which grew abundant and radiated light as it either ate at or had sprung forth from the marrow which had rotted and sloshed out where rocks had fallen from the ceiling had crushed and exposed that tender jelly center. Tom's face twitched and strained. He struggled to hold his composure. His thoughts were a flurry of screams and sobbing, aching cries. And then he saw what truly remained of Ben. Unlike the rest of his body, Ben's face had not been stripped of its flesh and skin. No, the skin remained tight to his face. Discolored, though, and older than Tom had remembered Ben. Much older. His hair had long since fallen away and his eyes had long since disappeared from their sockets. Where they would have sat once upon a time, thriving bone blooms sprouted forth in two tight bushels, one in each eye socket. His bottom jaw had come loose as well and sat distended away from his top jaw, its teeth bare, Ben's lips pulled back in a permanent snarl. Between his bottom jaw and his top jaw sat a rotting fleshy mound, as if his tongue had grown and multiplied, tying itself into knots, trying to knit the two pieces of Ben's face back together. And it too seemed to be knitted to the ground, fused with it, stitched in place by bone bloom. Ben. Oh, oh Ben. Oh. the snot and the tears and the terror, the knowledge of impending irreversible regret that he'd live with for the rest of his life. The knotted, twisting mass of flesh that separated the top half of Ben's face from the bottom began to twitch, and cords of what Tom thought was tongue muscle flexed and writhed. Postules of rot popped, letting out rancid, sickening smells, filling the air with a ghastly, gaseous, wretched, awful bouquet of smells as the pockets drained. Then dilating, focusing pupils began to appear, uncovered from some milky, rotten, aquatic dream. First one, and then two. And then three and four, and soon there were seven eyes, 
each rolling in their sunken spot where rotten liquid had seeped out, the ripped and popped postules serving as ragged eyelids. All now looking at Tom. Tom, I have missed you. Tom, you come to join me. It was always meant to be that way. see so well he he felt nauseous his eyesight began to dim his his legs felt weak like they turned to ribbon falling slowly through the air to fold and lay limp on the ground he he couldn't breathe his chest was tight his oh, his heart hammered at his ribcage to be let out cut loose if he could just sit sit for a while and and breathe if only he could breathe he could he would this wasn't real if only he could Tom Tom wake up can you put your arms around my shoulders that's it that's it yes hold tight we are leaving where are you taking Tom he shall not leave. We are dust and shadow. Shut up, you! Your brother will not be joining you. Not today. Not ever. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church? or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open. Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die. 
In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at the town whispers or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. i